can hear you great. Can you hear me okay? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, no static or anything like that? There's never static between us, G. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> this is so cool. Hey, what's good, everybody? Welcome to the Gritty Genius Podcast with me, Dr. P. Uh, This podcast is about, you know, the gritty moments in life, life's adversities, the challenges that shape our personal genius and help us evolve and move forward in life being our best self. I got a pretty kick-ass guest today, Mario Aguirre, and I've known him from back in the day. We'll probably get into it, but to do his respect, I'm going to read his bio so you get to know a little bit more about his education, training, background, expertise, and what he is offering out to the world. So he began his journey at an early age, receiving training through sports, wrestling, boxing, soccer, and martial arts. And later on, he joined the U.S. Navy after an honorable discharge. Mario studied Shaolin boxing for almost 20 years and Iyengar yoga for 10. He also received additional training in the following Shaolin methods of strength and conditioning, flexibility, mobility, Qigong, breathing, and Chinese yoga. Continued his education at Eastern Michigan University, fellow alum, (laughs) where he achieved his bachelor's degree in sports medicine, as well as personal training to ACE standards, NSCA slash CSCS standards, lab techniques and human performance performance and ACSM standards. And then you had an internship that was split between TAFT, strength and conditioning and hyperfit, a CrossFit slash Brav Mega facility. Did I say that right? They do. Okay. It's a martial And then you began teaching as an assistant instructor at the Ann Arbor School of Shaolin Boxing. And while attending EMU, you also instructed classes at the College Martial Arts in Ann Arbor, where you taught adult level one jutsu. Yeah, tai jitsu. Yep. Tai jitsu. Okay. Created a strength and conditioning classes, implemented children's classes, developed physical, athletic, martial arts abilities, basic anti-bullying and anti-abduction techniques. So upon graduation from EMU, you were offered in a position as an adjunct lecturer, and this is what you're doing currently. When I see videos on your Facebook, a lot of it's from your work teaching physical education through School of Health Promotion and Human Performance, where you've developed, modified, and taught classes in Kung Fu strength conditioning, uh, which is emotional regulation and mindfulness techniques. And so you've also been a guest lecturer at Michigan State University, specifically with MSU, a part of the camp. Is that the College Assistant Migrant Program? Yep. And then Engagement Center, Inclusion and Intercultural Initiatives. So it sounds like being a part of a lot of their multicultural and cultural programs, teaching this to to those students. And then unfortunately, as you well know, those are usually the students that get a lot of the beef that's out there anyway. It was kind of like, hey, we have these different students from these different um, cultures and different uh, backgrounds. and, And then I found out later, you know, all that information. But yeah, that was it. And you taught them self-awareness, mindfulness, time management, motivation, emotional health and exercise and self-defense tactics. You're also invited to the first and second Latinx youth conference uh, for the Hispanic or Latino Heritage Month at Siena Heights University, which is in our hometown, Adrian, Michigan. Do you consider Adrian, Michigan, your hometown? I do not because I was born in North Hollywood specifically, but yeah, in Southern California. And then um you know, and then like for one year in seventh grade, one year in ninth grade, one year in 10th grade, like I kind of came in and out. And that's when I got to know you and the whole gang. And, and, and uh, you know, after the military is when I moved to Adrian. But then after a couple of years after that, I moved to Ann Arbor and just been out here in Ipsy in this area ever mm-hmm. since. 
Yeah, that's what I, you know, I always wondered that too, because you also have family. Yeah, you have family that's in, in Michigan. And they, well, the thing was, is my my dad and my family was the first from our family to, to move to Adrian. And then everybody, cousins and other aunts and uncles and other people just ended up coming because mm. it changed from our lifestyle in LA, you know, being the violence or whatever you want to, whatever you want to yeah. point out. <laughs> so I'm going to put the rest of your bio up on like the show notes where folks listen to the podcast, they can get like the comprehensive like list of everything you've done. I did tell you before we started recording that you kind of left something out. I know you through my brother-in-law. You and my brother-in-law, when I was growing up, used to scratch and mix turntables in our basement. That's true. Still do. Yeah. And most recently, what, two weeks ago, you were in DJ Battle, right? Scratch Battles. Scratch and I battle. know that's not in your professional bio, but I'm like, man, that's how I know you in a lot of ways. Growing up with my sister and you, Weto, my, my brother-in-law, is really big part of why I love music and why it's always been around. That's when like hip hop and a whole other level and awareness of like, the culture, you know, the yep. pop culture and music, like that's what I got exposed to. And I mean, I know that's probably not something you're going to put in a professional resume. Depends, you know, because sometimes I'll do stuff at music schools. Like um, actually earlier today, I had a session with um, young little trombonists. They play the trombone, mm -hmm. but I was showing them, you know, breathing exercises, strengthening exercises for their shoulder girdle to hold their instrument and, you know, to not hurt themselves. So like in that respect, I do talk about my my musical background being in turntablism and scratching and all that and music. So, yeah, it just depends on, you know, what what's what am I going to and what am I providing? And is it going to be, you know, a part of it? And sometimes I'll just say it because people are interested. But, mm -hmm. you know, I try to stick to the subject. <laughs> so turntablist scratch master your dj name is dj virus that's how i knew you back in the day yeah. navy martial artist teaching all these amazing techniques at persistent professor how do you make sense of this this amalgam of what your passions are what you offer as with all of us you know i think during our journey we figure things out and for me it was all about kind of simplifying the chaos because the chaos always brought me sorrow and pain and yeah. and lit. and usually the chaos was you know led to violent circumstances being you know that I grew up in LA and all that but what I what I tried to find to kind of simplify all that is like what what makes me happy and and how how hard is it to be happy in in that road or path that I chose and you know now that I actually I have all this education behind me I can mm -hmm. really see how it all you know, when it came to sports, I was just very active. So sports, I was all about just moving. Um, there was definitely certain sports I liked more than others being, you know, soccer. I was more into soccer than, say, football. And then with the martial arts, again, moving the body and understanding the body. But I grew up watching Kung Fu movies. So when you saw, you know, Jackie Chan or people of that nature that were doing basically parkour running before parkour running was said. Right. Mm -hmm. um, that's that's kind of like my influence of like, oh, the body can do that. Plus, you know, back in the day, we didn't have the technology that's available to us. So we would have to go outside and play on the playground or or run around or whatever the case. So it was all physicality stuff later with my training, especially with the music. I mean, the music was a way out, really, because before I got into that, it was like, oh, I, I would try to break dance or pop. But then some of the some of the shows I was going to, like the DJs couldn't really do a whole lot. And uh, some of the DJs that I was listening to, whether they were family members or friends of family members, I'd get these cool mixtapes. And I was like, oh, I want to get into that. And then mm -hmm. 
kind of happened in that way. And I got into hip hop, you know, first from the physical part of it, you know, the popping, locking, breaking. But then I just fell in love with scratching. And um, later I come to find it out because now they're doing some research on all that stuff. And it goes back into my martial arts training, sports training. And what they found is that both hemispheres of the brain are communicating. And as a result of that, it brings you into these higher levels of um, like frequencies and vibrations for your brain, um, yeah. you know, whether you're you know, they call it like alpha, beta, theta yep. and all that. Yep. The doctor who was diagnosing like the results of all that was saying, well, I can see why people find enjoyment in this because it's it's getting into that part of the brain. But mixing, you know, with rhythm and music, it has the yep. kind of the same also. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like all this stuff, you know, for me, it was my journey of, OK, I came from a broken home. So how do I unbreak that? I mean, you mentioned that it was a way out that music you know is a way out do you feel like that was how you coped i mean specifically i think it gave me a better way to deal with my emotions when i had no idea what they were like because you know my parents you know i was i was kind of the first child from my dad my mom had other kids but i was kind of the first one that kind of stayed with her and lived with her and so i think that me being the kind of kid i was um which was what hyper physical you know (laughs) i say today is adhd but i think what people (laughs) missing is like this is this is a child with a lot of energy this is their natural way of being you know they're just exploring and so I had to kind of figure out um just positive ways to kind of like not fall into my anger because everywhere I was going you know whether it's gang violence or just people trying to hustle people you know have a way of communicating people have a way of uh, interacting and Mm -hmm. for me you know if it's not in a joyful manner uh, then to me, I go into, you know, the fight or flight response. Do I need to protect mm-hmm. myself? Do I need mm-hmm. to get something going down? So, you know, when you get into and all you that. Th- you knew that at, at that young, how old were you around that time? I mean, I honestly, I think I remember kind of being aware and conscious around like eight or nine years old. Wow. My mom, my mom says when I was younger, she didn't know what to do with me. Cause like some of the things I was doing and saying is she just, she didn't know how to deal with it and handle it. And and it and I think it stems from just my ability to kind of take a step back from my world and kind of see it from a different perspective, even though I was really young. You know, you know because- and I can definitely relate. Like I was the same kind of kid, but I think I went in the opposite direction. I had so much anger and and I, I that's, you know, a lot of what I left on the soccer field and a lot of what sabotaged, I think, my soccer career. Right. I just had a bad attitude. I was right. in pain and going through stuff. And yeah, I wasn't taught. I mean, you know, my mom, she's a single parent working and we were all partying at the house, still having to figure stuff out. And I feel like, you know, that's what I always feel like soccer in a way saved my life because it gave me at least a space not to act out too far. But it's pretty amazing that you had that awareness at such a young age that, you know, if you acted on it, it could go this way and you had to find some other way. Well, because I had people around me getting locked up, getting killed, getting shot, joining gangs doing whatever. And so I knew what to do in terms of my anger. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. I could just do this. And don't get me wrong. That wasn't to say that we weren't outside, you know, kind of right. beating the shit out of each other from right. time to time. Right. right. You know, but I, I was like, oh, when I when I do this dance stuff, I'm happy. Uh, when I go roller skating, I'm happy. When I use my bike, I'm happy. When I go on the playground, I'm happy. But when I go hang out with these people, I get angry. I get mad when I you know what I mean? Right. So it's just. Mm-hmm latchkey kid as well which you know just kind of means I'd, I'd walk home and I'd be home for my by myself for a while so you know I had to find ways to kind of you know figure me out and have fun and a lot of times it wasn't the best but I didn't really have the supervision to guide me 
but I I did have the after effects of whatever I did, and I learned from that. Yeah, like this insight and awareness at such a young age, though. Yeah, be well, able to have that process because I think like I think of when I hung out with you know the bad crowd and it validated my pain. See another you know I think yeah. I, that's and that's probably why people get in gangs and like you know the opportunities right there. I remember and granted Adrian's not like gangs hardcore, but you know I used to hang out with some. Not I mean, there's crowds and it would validate my pain and they would be like, you know, I got your back and this and that obviously only to a certain extent because they're just teenagers too, trying to find something else to validate their pain. Like in some ways, and this is maybe going a little deeper, I think about just that baseline level of insight and awareness at such a young age that's like almost like you were born into this life already evolved to that point. Yeah, it's hard to kind of pinpoint what that is and what that means, but I but definitely and yeah. And how did you get that? Like <laughs> when so many people in your world, you walk out the door, weren't doing that at your age. Yeah, I mean, there's there's two things I really remember. One thing is is I remember you know walking home and I was really super sad and angry, and I want to say it was like Valentine's Day, because um, I have I remember this thing that I made during class or whatever, and I was walking home, and I remember just thinking like. You know, I don't know if I believe in God. I don't know if I believe in the devil because a lot of my family, they were Catholics, Christians, whatever, and everybody Mm -hmm. argued. And so, again, you know, I'm watching all this happen. So I kind of had a different point of view from it. I was like, well, I don't know if God exists, but if the devil exists and he's making all these evil things happen and he made my parents not be together and he does, well, I'm going to hate the devil and I'm just going to be good. Like, that's kind of how I tricked myself. (laughs) I mean, pain that I don't understand and. I'm seeing these mm-hmm. people fight over God or what it means, or is it the devil? So that that's kind of, I don't know, that, that's a really oversimplified way of kind of how I figured things out. The other thing was, is um, my grandma who who passed away a while ago, she, from my dad's side, she was amazing. Like she was one of the only people that I feel in my life I had unconditional love no matter what. Mm. Um, that doesn't mean she didn't scold me or get on me, but right. like when I would be unhappy, she always made it a point to make me smile before I left or to, or to mm. change my bad mood. And and that was a huge difference, you know, from nine to 10 to 12 to 14, when you start thinking about even crazier things to do. Yeah. And you're like, I'm, I got it in my head and I'm about to leave. And it's almost like she felt it and just tried to make me smile. And, and that upliftment of vibration just kind of mm-hmm. changed and wanting to do things or not wanting to do things. And yeah. I think that kind of started it all. Did you live with her or did she live close by that you saw her regular? My dad for a couple of years here and there, you know, my dad would bring them from Mexico and they would chill at the house. And so, you know, they would definitely, I would see them, you know, as long as my dad had me and, you know, when I would go visit, then yeah, she was there. And so you mentioned like vibration, I guess for other people to understand maybe what you mean by that. When I use vibration and frequencies, I just, I kind of think about, um, I, I guess the simplest way I kind of put it to people is that when you feel joy and when you feel happiness, like that's a certain vibration. And when you feel mm-hmm. sadness, when you feel anger, that's a different vibration. Those vibrations affect your body, affect your mood, yeah. affect different things of that nature. Um, I try to get more scientific with people, but sometimes getting too scientific, I lose them as well. So I just yeah. I just try to keep it understandable and relatable. And if people don't understand or relate, then I get more scientific on it. But yeah, it's it's just kind of an easy way for me to just kind of say, well, okay, you know, how are you feeling? Are you feeling like this? Oh, that's kind of a low vibration. Are you feeling this? That's a high vibration. How do mm-hmm. we how do we then go from low to high or high to low or whatever the balance needs to be? When you were younger, was that 
did you explain it in that sense? Or did you use uh, well, the words like feelings? I just feel better, you know, when I'm around grandma or she always makes me feel better. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, vocabulary and what you know plays a big part in all this. But um, yeah, when I was younger, even though I may not have talked about it in the same way, I was always kind of thinking in those ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and uh, you know, because I, I guess I, I looked at the moon and I looked at the sun and I looked at the ocean and I looked at the trees yeah. and just kind of saw this this other thing happening. Um, or even just people, you know, per, people are human beings are you can see this, you know, when you go to a big city, they're in a certain vibration. It's just kind of go, 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 go. Yeah. You go out into the woods, that all changes and it's really slow now. And it's like, oh, OK, that's what I try to bring to the table is like, are you noticing a difference in if you want to call it vibration? Because I don't want to most people get caught up in semantics and I try to avoid that as much as I can. But when people can look past that, then then that's when we really connect to like, okay, what are we talking about? What is Volcana describes this? Yeah. So finding it in their words to be able to like connect, get them to connect and think about it. Yeah. In a way that they'll be receptive to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, just like you brought it up when, you know, like I'll say a word and then you're like, well, what did you mean by vibrations? Then we go from there. You know what I mean? And then. Yeah. And that's the only way I know how to, you know, and that's just communication. Like some people, uh, they think that either I'm I'm being um, confrontational or I'm when I I, but I know that a conversation is not usually especially a hard conversation. It's not really easy to start. So Mm -hmm. for me, the best way to start is just start it. And but to acknowledge that I'm not coming at you in, in the wrong way. My heart is in a good place, but this is not an easy topic. But we have to talk about these topics. So here we go. <laughs> yeah, but that's and that's how I re- I remember just early on you were you're very forthright and convicted, but there's not a hostility, there's not an aggression or anything behind it. You know, I think you're de- definitely a true seeker and wanting to talk with people to you know that's just I think you're in part of your presence. But I also think that what's fascinating is like it, the reason why I teach mindfulness and have really gotten curious and explored it is because of how much it impacted I me and how much it helped me become aware of my patterns. Yeah. And with the awareness I can change because, you know, it's been, you know, people hear, you know, my grit story and I share on other podcasts, just this little blips of like my struggle, but there's, there was absolutely no change without awareness. And the best way I either got awareness was through life smacking me up right side of my yeah. head. Like I make the same mistake and eventually it gets louder and louder and harder and harder. So that's either how I woke up or it's like developing a skill to be aware. So I don't have to suffer and have so much pain when life says, all right, you're not getting it. Here you go. Um, true empowerment in life change, especially because I didn't know how to handle my emotions and no one was stopping to talk to me about certain things. And teach me through I did have guiding lights and relationships in my life that like showed me there's other ways to do it but I'm like how do you get there and realizing how powerful that awareness is like one of the things that I I you know again just because of semantics like I um I had a friend who wanted me to I actually did it last week and it it was I didn't know what to expect because again you know people's frame of minds but um you know he told me because I told him about mind body connection Mm -hmm. and and he's like, well, I don't know about spirit. I was like, well, if you don't like that word, think of it as like character development. Yeah. And uh, and so then then he's like, OK, I can relate to that. And so I tried to keep that in mind when I came to his class and taught his students. But he loved mm-hmm. it. And he was like, wow. He's like everything you said. It was like you, you, you didn't make it complicated. You didn't 
turn people's ears off by saying such words, you know, as spiritual and things like that. And I was like, well, that's I'm glad that's good. The the terminology is a lot different than the experience. And mm-hmm. once I can get people to get the experience, because um, everything that I teach is experiential, you can't be on the sidelines watching and get the same effect. So. Right. Right. And I think, I think that's the real difference between the way I teach mindfulness and emotional regulation than how other people teach. Um, but I haven't been. That's why I asked you, you know, a while back when you were getting into it, like, oh, what do you guys talk about? What do you guys do? And and uh, and it was great. And it's it's right there, you know, to what I do. Um, but I just try to employ movement with it. And I try yeah. to, um, you know, in different thought processes, because I think, you know, how you were talking about when I was younger, you know, and if I keep making the same mistakes, it gets louder, it gets harder. The yeah. punishment. So that kind of ties in with with what I mean in, in regards to um, apses that fire mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. bridges that we built. And if our yeah. bridge is anger and our bridge is sadness, then those are our go to bridges. Yeah. And so through movement, specifically the kind of movements I try to bring to the table, um, your brain, by virtue of the movements and the body communicating with your brain, new bridges are built. And through that, we can start examining different thought processes because now they'll be available to you. Yes, absolutely. In therapy, they they always say never take away someone's coping mechanism, main coping mechanism, even if it's maladaptive and not good for you, without finding a like without giving them another like another coping tool. Like what basically what you're saying is a bridge. Like you yeah. can't just tell someone stop being angry and not give them another pathway to direction to go in in regards to the anger. But you're yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean that all that um. And I think that ties with. In, I think that ties in with just kind of like how I'm approaching things. Like most people, they they can argue. Some people like to argue, and some people just argue because that's what they do. But my whole point is, I'm not trying to say no to what you're saying and argue that. I'm trying to say whatever I'm trying to say with solutions. Like I'm trying mm-hmm. to have. I'm not just trying to say no and leave right. it at that. And and I think that's the biggest thing with human beings in general. Like we like to argue, but nobody wants to come up with the solutions. And what I'm finding out is like even when you do find a solution majority of people unfortunately don't even want to attempt it so right but that's that. what you're taught like the default maybe it's not emotional but it's a way of understanding or thinking about the world right like some people and maybe it's our society addicted to this this problem mentality or this complaining mentality or this it's like if you challenge it like knowing that there is other other way to see the world maybe a way to bring them more peace but it's like the work it's almost like you know I'm going to stay comfortable in seeing the world like this that's what it is, is the work. Nobody wants to do the work. They And and what I try to tell people is like, you know, especially in my classes, because I teach, you know, per semester and I see mm-hmm. it all the time. But I try to tell them, I was like, look, instead of at the end of the semester coming up to me and putting all this work into your lies and deception and manipulation of how I should give you a better grade because you didn't show up and you didn't do the work. Instead of that, put all your energy into just doing what you're supposed to do. It's the mm-hmm. same. Yeah. One, you're going to have to work harder and you might not get the results you want. And the other one, if you just stay steady, you're going to get there. You're going to do it. It's going to happen. And that just seems to be really difficult for a lot of people, again, because, you know, everybody comes from a different background. And whether your tools are good or not or beneficial or not, you have those tools, you know, and that's what I try to bring to the table, especially with self-defense. Like, you know, one of the most violent things that we can do to other human beings is create poverty. And mm-hmm. we do that, especially here in America with different hood cities. And those people, you go into hoods, they'll jack you. But yeah. there's a difference between somebody jacking you because they're a psychopath or a sociopath or 
they're evil or whatever, and another person jacking you because they're starving and they're trying to put right. food on the table. Yep. And that that's, you know, again, the psychology behind, you know, what I see, because we get people from all over. Mm-hmm. And I just, uh, you know, I just try to hit them with logic and I try to hit them with effort and I try to hit them with, um, you know, if it ain't working, try something else and right. just and options and solutions. And right. but but I, but I really get across that you got to do the work, because yeah. even if you're not doing the work, you're doing the work to not do the work. So, right. All thinking, <laughs> it's just what are you working towards? <laughs> Amen. Yeah. <laughs> like I'd love I- that's why I love yoga because it helps, you know, I don't go to get flexible or anything like that. When I first, I went to one yoga class. I'm like, ah, I'm not vibing. It It wasn't just, it wasn't where I was at a couple later years later. Like I just felt something in my spirit. It was like, all right, it's time go to go to that yoga studio down the street. That's when it took off when it was really a space for help to help me become more mindful. Right. The physical thing. Cause I was, you know, I was the same, a really hyperactive kid. And I think I need to work out that energy, which is a lot of like different yoga techniques, like Kriya yoga, they have energization techniques where you want, they want to work out the energy so you can be still in mind. It's the mind body. I felt like that helped balance. So then I could meditate. I could sit. I, there was, it was a clearing of the space because you were clearing out these restless energies in your body but also like i believe yoga is a mirror you know our reactivity it plays out the comparisons play out the judgment on your body or your life play out in in that space at least for me you know and definitely in the mindfulness like it's not experiential in the physical way but when i work with someone and they say a word and maybe they're speaking judgment against themselves or like oh i'm so stupid i'm like can we hold on a minute there you know, can, did you just hear what you said? No, what was that? And it was so automatic. Yeah. You know, these yeah, patterns yeah. of, you know, one needs to, they don't need to be in an abusive or neglectful relationship. They're saying it to themselves. Yeah. You know, so the mindfulness and like, what words are you saying to speak the word against yourself? Like you're, you're punishing yourself. You're damaging yourself by these, by how you talk to yourself. And, you know, believe they got that language from, you know, early childhood. Someone spoke to them like that and someone spoke to them like that, whatever. Um, but the mindfulness and powerful just to change their thinking about it. But it is like you also have to do that outside of the room. You also have to do that outside of the class. You know, you don't just go to class once a week or twice a week, do the movement and then think it's just going to permeate all the areas of the life, doing the work outside of the space. And I think that's where, you know, a lot of people at least. I don't want beef may be a strong word, but, you know, my beef, that's my beef with like religion and yoga and other things where like they can't differentiate between some of that stuff. Of like mm-hmm. uh, just because you're a Christian on Sunday doesn't make you a good Christian the rest of the week kind of a thing. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so yeah. and same thing with yoga, like yoga, like, you know, now I'm seeing beer yoga, goat yoga, heavy metal yoga. Like that's not yoga. And mm-hmm. it, you're going to get physical benefits from some of it but that's not yoga you know the whole point like even in my classes they're like well you should play music I'm like should I I was like why do you think I should play music and then I let them speak their mind I was like interesting that you have that point of view because yoga is about this or or martial arts is about this and can you be quiet can you understand can you be alone with your mind like you know and it's just it's just really interesting what people think things are and then unfortunately a lot of teachers instructors and it doesn't even have to be yoga but they just regurgitate the terminologies that they just learn or they regurgitate certain things. They don't really understand it. And I, I think a lot of things get lost in translation. And the reason I'm saying this is because sometimes I meet people who had bad experiences or not mm-hmm. quite what they thought they should have. 
so there's there's all that and i'm just i just keep it real with people i'm like well what do you want to do and what are you willing to do because right. if you're not willing to do anything i'm telling you you're not going to get results so so let me ask you this if if beer yoga yoga was the only way that someone would be receptive to even just being exposed to yoga would you rather that than nothing do you think there's some it depends on their intention why do yeah. you want beer yoga? do you want beer yoga because it's beer <laughs> right. or do you want beer yoga because you want it to kind of loosen your nerves and you actually right. really want like yeah. i don't necessarily believe mm-hmm. that that's a better answer than the first one you know what right. i mean right like is yeah. it to, to reinstate the alcoholism you've been dealing with your whole life or yeah really train change your mind and the other thing is is yoga is supposed to be detoxifying what are you doing with alcohol your yeah. stomach is supposed to be empty why are you filling it up with alcohol you know what i mean so there's like oh absolutely yeah in, in that sense it doesn't make sense because mm-hmm. you're going against what's necessary for you to even get into that state of being mm-hmm. and so that you know but 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 then you know my healthier side or yeah i guess my healthier side just kind of like well whatever you know i can critique it but I don't have to be hardcore about it. Like whatever. Have an opinion about it. But you said the intention. Yeah. You know? It's all about intention because you know, if, if I mean, my, my classes are a perfect example. I've had people lose 70 pounds and I've had people gain 10 pounds. You know, what's your intention? Are you trying mm-hmm. to lose weight or are you trying to just show how much it doesn't work and do completely the opposite of what I'm telling you, you know? Yeah. And, and in that case, it's not even, it's not even for me. It's for you. It's not about proving me wrong. You proved yourself right. What I struggle with is because most of the time, the majority or just our default brains, it's the, you know, what is it? Confirmation bias where we're going to look, we'd rather look for information to confirm our beliefs versus to disconfirm. And I think that's where it's the, the work you do. The experiential work is powerful. That's where the gritty part of this, the podcast comes in is to, to experience it, to confirm what our beliefs are, to go against the grain if that's already our default. It's harder to be vulnerable, to risk, to try something different and actually believe it worked or to might to give yourself an opportunity that it works. That, that's true. But also the fear holding you back is an illusion in and of itself. Right. I well, get that. You saying that someone's like, yeah, well, my, like, I don't know that everybody has that set point to really get that. No, you're right. But but again, that goes to our upbringings. How I mean, the thing is, is most of us, the way we come up in the world, most of us, it seems like we're being taught by our parents, good or bad. And we're being taught certain biases within that as well. Now, that's that's infinite for every, yeah. you know, everybody's yep. different. But mm-hmm. being that that's a commonality of understanding, I my approach is when. You know, when people don't want to participate, but they came to my class, I let them know you're making a decision and a choice right now. So don't point the finger at me. Take accountability. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm straight up like that. Like, I'm just like, dude, you can bullshit, but know that it's bullshit. Yeah. You know, where did you get that from? Just hood. That's just street. You know, are you trying to live yeah. for real? I mean, you know this. I mean, do you have friends yeah. that are real or not real? And I think and again, that all is determined by how we look at ourselves and see ourselves. Do we feel we deserve frenemies? Do we feel we don't deserve honesty? You know, you know, one of my students, too, a while back. She just got said, real deep right there, by the way. That hit me. Yeah. I was like, ooh, ooh. Yeah. I needed and, that truth bomb right there. Yeah. So when I when I talk to like my students and they bring up something like that, we're like, oh, I'm stupid. Or, Sorry, I said that. I'm like, well, first of all, it's OK that you said that. And second of all, you're not stupid. And I look at them in the eyes and I tell mm-hmm. them. And then whether they feel good about it, bad about it, apologize or don't, I then reiterate, you're not stupid. You just may not have known this situation or you may not have reacted the way you wanted to, but you're not stupid. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, in my classes, too, in the beginning and in the end of the semester, I always tell them, if nobody in your life is on your cor- is in your corner telling you how awesome you are and how much you can accomplish, I'm telling you that right now, that you have infinite right potential. On. You have to do it. I try to I try to level the playing field because it's right. so against people like us when we grow up in the situations we grow up in. And so, you know, and do then you I find get, that a lot of your students open up to you and will say like, damn, like that you are the first person that's ever said that to me, like, like share a little bit about their, their lives. Yeah. Some, some kids do get a little personal, some don't. Um, but many appreciate where I'm coming from, you know, yeah, like for sure. this last semester, I, um, uh, I had a few students in both classes, just kind of like, I really appreciate that you're like showing us how to think. You're not telling us what to think. You're cool. Like you're not angry and upset over nothing. Like you're, you're being straight up <laughs> respect mm-hmm. you. Like you're just bringing it up. And I actually had a, a another um, professor in my class. Cause sometimes professors will come through my exercise classes and she was amazing. She was, I mean, she had to be in her early, early sixties, late fifties, but she was an ex gymnast, but she, she kept it, you know, she right kept on. all that, that honor, like that, that well preserved health. And, um, she told me at the end of the semester, she was like, dude, I love this class. I love your approach. I love how you're, you know, I tend to forget that the students are human beings and we can talk mm-hmm. to them and we can correct them. And, you know, cause yeah. I tell them, you know, like if you come at me with a bad attitude, that says more to me about you than you. Yep. Yep. I was like, and, and all of you here are telling me a story about yourselves, whether you're trying, whether you're not, how much you're trying, too much effort to where you're hurting yourself, not enough effort to getting what you want. You, you know, stopping when I turn around and then and I turn back around, you acting right. like, <laughs> yes. if you want to believe it, that's fine. But that's mm-hmm. the illusion. And, mm-hmm. and, and even during exercises, I talk about, well, if you want to live in illusion, then do the exercise this way. If you want to live in reality, which is going to show you your lack of mobility, your lack of flexibility, then do it correctly this way. And that's just my whole approach on it all, because um, I mean, they, I think of just I mean, you saying that here in this conversation, how many people are going to check themselves just by yeah. hearing what you said to check themselves, because most adults, that means you have to get vulnerable. And I think we all struggle w- with that. I I will own it. Like I struggle getting vulnerable to a certain point to say like, do I want to see my weaknesses? Right. And like yeah. obviously yes I do because I I know it's gonna lead to something better, some growth, even though it's gonna be painful. But in, in all areas of life, to check ourselves, like yeah, do we want to know the truth? Do we want to get vulnerable and, and check ourselves? Or like you said, live in the illusion. And that's for every area, relationships, you know, parenting, marriage, friends, purpose, our work. I mean, and, yeah, I mean, you're talking about illustrating with a student, but damn, like how far reaching that that goes for people listening to just check themselves, me included. It was like, whoa. Yeah. You know? and, and, you know, and that's my approach is how do I I mean, and, and honestly, I was my first teacher of deceit. And, and mm-hmm. you know, because I lie to myself all day if I wanted to. Yeah. But at a certain point, I had to realize that wasn't working for me. So yeah. when when I when I started looking at, at my approach this way, it really was. I mean, even from a self-defense approach, it's like, well, do you want your enemy to exploit your weaknesses or do you want to find out so you can strengthen that? And they, there's no mm-hmm. kink. You know, where we came from, people will lie to us without even blinking of an, right. of an eye. Right. And it's like, you know, by living this truth, it's like now. It, it really goes past all this physical acting. It yeah. really gets into the depth of your being. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this isn't something that I can necessarily show 
but I can definitely tell when people are lying to me now and I can definitely take the opportunity to let them know. And then it's up to them to either check themselves and be honest or then they no longer in my life because I don't fall for it. But in either yeah. case, my path, my journey is clear. So I noticed that you use the word vulnerable and that's definitely one way to look at it. But another way to look at it for me is like allowing yourself to be free without yeah. judgment, I guess, you know, because my whole thing is like, oh, the way I grew up, oh, I can't stop that left hook. Well, I don't want to get knocked out. So I better figure out how to stop that left hook. And or in soccer, if I want to get past this defender who has these great skills, what other skills can I acquire? And then I'm I'm there. I'm practicing. I'm practicing. And uh, what position did you play? I played uh, center mid, uh, right oh, okay. wing, and goalie. Yeah, so right wing. You know, I always <laughs> have like you know I was all about ball control because ever since I could walk, my my dad was you know kicking the ball towards me, and it was all about the moves, you know. And I mean, and I'm sure you can notice that in everything that I do. Like I always try to get creative. I always try to take yes. it to the next. You know, it's like Bruce Lee, like he said, don't practice 10,000 different kicks, practice one kick 10,000 times. Exactly. You know, exactly. and it's that's why I like admire everything you've done. And I know and seeing your videos, how particular and technique focusing on those just those small things, right? Mastering those things that a lot of people don't have the energy, time, patience, dedication to, to do, right? I mean, I think of myself as a soccer play, player, and again, it was a lot of emotion. Like, if I can't get the technique to do it, I'm going to just plow through, right? right? It was just pure, I was going to use this will and this force, which is very different, right? So my one of my lessons in life is to develop the patience to, to refine the skill or the technique and do it over and over and over and over and over. You know, de definitely patience is something I'm still learning in this life. Um, but <laughs> and and then you know and, and it's not easy. I mean, you know, no. I'm definitely here like, damn, this sucks, or damn, yeah. I gotta do that again, or I gotta do another ten thousand yeah. reps. Like mm -hmm. it's you know, people think that I got this thing, and the only thing that I got is I'm doing the work. That's it. Yeah. And and you know, people have excuses and they put more into the excuse than they do into the effort. And that's that's my whole point. Like if you're putting all your effort into the making the excuses that you got to take care of the kids and you got to do this and you got to make food for your husband and you can't do anything for yourself. Well, then good luck when you're sick, because obviously no one's right. going to help you improve yourself. Right. That was my one of my last podcasts where I shared a little bit saying like I realized that I was exactly what you said. I was using those things as excuses and not making space for myself in my own life and finding myself drained to do the things that I know I value. And it's like, why? I care about these things. So why am I struggling to to engage in them? And it was because I wasn't making space. I was using that. And I that's something like in this new phase of like being a mom, I've had to check myself on. I'm like, how do I need to remember to make space for myself and step away from the judgment? I'm I'm not a good mom if I do this or that or, you know, all of that. So and really the bigger thing and underlying with all of that to me is just the socioeconomical life we're all living. Like, yeah, some of these excuses are valid for sure. But what are you fighting for? Are you fighting for your yeah. death? Or are you fighting for your life? And that's mm -hmm. When I put things clear like that, especially to myself, and it's hard for me because nobody's hyping me up. Like I hype up my classes and, you know, hundreds and hundreds of students. Yeah. Come and go. But it's like it's hard for me. to. That's why I don't know if you remember a couple of years back. I was like, you know, I shot you an email and I was like, hey, gee, like you're doing amazing stuff. You're doing awesome. Like, how are you keeping up the positivity? I don't know if you remember that email, but, yeah. you know, and you gave me the answer that I do, which is what I remembered when you told me like, oh, yeah, this is a, 
a daily journey. This is like every day, you know, but at that point in time, like, you know, life was really kicking me in the head and kicking me in the legs and just like kicking me while I'm down. And so it was like, okay, I know if I go to shadow Mario that they're going to happen. So I have to stay over here in the light. And, uh, you know, and that was just me reaching out partially because we hadn't talked in a while. But also, like, I know that, you know, we have similar backgrounds. It's like when you come from this other life that has these other things that some human beings never experience, you, you have a different view and perception of the world. Shortly after that, my life really changed. Like all this work, it, it really came to a point of where it's not so much of a struggle anymore because it's become a habit, so to speak. Do you mm-hmm. feel like that's all then that that's when the path and all these opportunities started opening up? Yeah, I think that like I mean, and still it's not even that opened up because, again, you know, you know, there's good sides. Like I'm definitely appreciative and I have a lot of gratitude for things opening up, doors opening up. But for every door that's opening up, there's definitely another human being trying to slam it in my face or trying to get ahead. Yeah. There's like those aspects, too. And I've just learned really how to be patient, tolerant, let them show themselves for who they are, who I am. I, I think the thing that really did it for me is just a few years, just the power of the mind and the spirit mm-hmm. or the character yourself mm-hmm. um, the way it kind of showed me face to face in the mirror was um after kind of had that conversation it might have been like three four years ago i think but um i was having a bad day i woke up upset because the night before i found out that um this girl i had started seeing she kind of cheated on me was very dishonest and lying on top of that like i forgot my my walk my money at home and i was already like walking towards the bus to go to work and I was already late going to work. So like it was just a terrible day all the way around. Started terrible. And I just had this cloud. When the bus rolled up, I'm like, well, I don't think they take credit cards, but I have my credit card. So we'll see. I asked the dude, I was like, hey, can I use my credit card? He's like, no. And he's like, he basically was like, well, where are you going? And I told him, you know, a few blocks up up here. He's like, man, just come on. It's cool. The instant that he did that, Damn. anger all my sadness, everything went away. It left my body. It left my mind. It left everything. Mm-hmm. And I was filled with joy and appreciation that this yeah. black man who I didn't know, didn't know me. We had no history. And he just did something very helpful for me that day. And I rode that way for about three weeks. Nothing upset me. Even even the news that I got about you know my ex and all that, like, because I realized the power of the mind, because as soon as he did that, my mind shifted and I was mm. and I was like that. That's what hit me was like, oh, I through this experience, I no longer chose to feel this anger, which I had all validity, validity on it. You yeah, know, I could yeah. feel that it was great that um, I had, you know, any opportunity and excuse I needed to make that manifest the way it was. But then as soon as that happened. I realized, wow, my brain shifted, my my chemical balances and my body shifted, uh, my muscle tension shifted, like it was so powerful. And then that is what took me on to my current trajectory on my journey right now, where like mm. now I just see life differently. I see people, I see, you know, shitty circumstances differently because yeah. at that moment, there's no longer somebody telling me you have a choice. It was right. me experiencing this choice and how powerful it was from what I felt was rock bottom to being sky high. And yeah. that changed my life forever. Mm-hmm. That changed my perspective, my outlook. That's not to say I don't have good days and bad days, but now I, I don't have excuses because I saw the power of that. And I right. felt it. And that will stay with me forever. And I think that's really what changed my focus, 
changed um, the way I'm going to I do things from that point on to now. It, it made me find the real me and the true me where I was already kind of going that way. But that really solidified it. What do you think? <laughs> uh, how do you explain that that epiphany, that moment? Well, the best way I like, can say like, was it God intervent, like divine intervention? Was it, I mean, how do you explain that moment? For me, keeping it very simple and basic. Yeah. Um, so, that, so that more people can maybe relate to it. Yeah. Is that I was in a certain space. The space was closed. It was locked. I threw yeah. away the key. The power of this guy's generosity or love for another human being. Yeah. I don't know what you want to call it. Yeah. That kicked the door open and kicked the lock open. Yeah. And. It wasn't about me fighting. I couldn't fight this generosity. Yeah. It was, I had to see it for what it was. And the truth was, it was generosity. It was mm-hmm. empathy, compassion. It was all these things that we're being taught don't work or aren't real or aren't good. It's love. It's a, Straight up. Love. Exactly. Yeah. And because yeah. anger, I was already filled with anger. I was yeah. already filled with rage. I was already yep. filled with disappointment and sadness. That did not change anything. But when yeah. this guy did that gesture, so in that sense, sure, I could say it was a divine intervention. I could say it was God. But really, if I keep it simple, it was a choice that this man made with my circumstance. And it was the best choice he could have made for me to rise above my situation. Yeah. And that's yeah. why I feel good about helping people the way I help people. Yeah. Regardless of what you believe, you have bad days. When you see something genuine and you have something genuine happen and you're a part of that and you're in the moment experiencing that with mindfulness, it, it you it's different. Yeah. It's 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 a it's a truth that you can't deny. It is. And everything that mindfulness I feel like offers, it's a skill to open up space like like that, to be receptive, to see see it with a different wisdom, right? That we're going to be both oh, that's so powerful I'm like getting teared up but we're going to be both that man at one point and you yeah right as human beings we will be in both situations we will right. be have the opportunity to give and then we also have have those opportunities where we really need to receive it this yeah. is this is it these are it and i feel like that's we all wait for these grand aha insights moments where our lives change. But it's like these moments and for people to wake up. Yeah. And, and you know, again, part of my training to, to help this come to fruition is that, yeah. like, you know, I tell people, you know, do something you love every day, because when you don't and you stop, life gets hard very quickly, mm-hmm. very fast. That starts happening and you don't have appreciation for what's yeah. around who's around you and you don't have gratitude for the friends that you still may have, you're going to lose your friends. You're going to lose those opportunities and then you're going to feel really bad. And yeah. so, uh, you know, man, you're absolutely right. That happened to me today. I was feeling some kind of way earlier and I was walking Ari to the park and I was just like, you know what? I'm going to text one of my really good friends, both of them from Eastern. Um, one lives in Nebraska and the other one lives in, in Florida and just had some really good interactions. But I was just like, it was just a simple text. Like, I miss you. I'm glad you're in my life. And then from then, like the next couple hours, like just going back and forth a little bit in between moments were just like, it was all love. Word. Just oh, yeah. like you're, I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right to just appreciate. The, but yeah, but when I'm not doing that, I'm alone. No one gets it. Where are those real people? But it's like, yeah. am I being real? Do I get, you know, it's but like, that, er, hold up, turn it back. What's going on? With, you got a choice. You got to take some action here, girl. 
But uh, also goes back to what I was saying about intention. Like if I mm-hmm. got on the bus, you know, dropping f bombs and had an attitude, he might not have had the the positive. Right. Judgment. Yeah. And his tension, you know, would have been changed. And so so I think this is the part that people miss. Like, I believe like if you're angry, we'll feel that anger. But don't lash yeah. out, at you know, because yeah. most people are looking for an excuse to lash out at others. And that's, again, not the right approach. Like, if that's the case, then just be straight up, go in the backyard, duke it out and then give us a hug. Like, you know what I mean? It's like that's how we rolled. But, you know, my whole thing yeah. is just that. Like, yeah. People don't want to put the effort into positivity. They really put the effort into negativity. And unfortunately, that might be all they know. But what I try to do is like, look, if you have bad habits and you're trying to incorporate these good habits and you keep doing the bad habits, well, you're not going to have enough time in the day. It's just not going to work. But if you if you take a bad habit out and put a good habit in, like now you're going to have the same amount of time, but you're going to have a different outcome. So. How are you challenging yourself? And for every and my thing, too, is like every time you can point the finger at someone else of how shitty they are or whatever, I can point the finger at me and change 10 things. Right. Yeah. But in personal relationships, how do you. Yeah. I mean, do you just not go there? Tell people, you know, I'm not going there. You go. I mean, I'm here to support you, but I'm not going to get pulled down by negativity, complaining, gossip, judgment. Or even when you hear that with people with themselves and it's like their default, it's like, ah, I've worked so hard not to be in that space that sometimes being in that space, like that shadow, like you said, that shadow is just right there. I don't think we can ever escape our past. You know, I I feel that, you know, even though we can get over things and we can make things better, I don't think we necessarily escape it. So that's not to say that, you know, we're going to we're going to go back there, but it's an experience. And it's and for some Mm -hmm. of us, it's that possibly scarred us or were traumatized or working through that trauma. So when, for me, like I communicate with people like that, how strong am I to stay in my space? It's an opportunity yeah. to meet, me to see how strong am I to stay in my space and how much, how much work does this individual need to do and how much work have I put into this individual? So for instance, if like, you know, a person's always being negative about whatever, whatever, I'm like, okay, well, that's that's fine and dandy, but what are you doing in your life to change those negative things about you? And so what what ends up happening? What if they're a friend, a close friend? I don't care. I mean, if they're a yeah. close friend, you're gonna get the truth from me. Otherwise, yeah. why you yeah. know? And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hold back because you're my friend. And I think that's the problem with what friendship people think it means. Like people think they, you know, I'm I'm personally I'm tired of people saying, well, I don't want to tell them the truth because I don't think they can handle it or I don't think this. And I was like, well. What is it your place to say another human being can or can't handle something? Maybe True. this the, maybe this is the juncture of what they need for them to really look at what they need to be looking at. You know, that's not to say you're you're going to be insensitive. It's right. just to say that like, to me the truth always prevails. And so if the truth of the matter is you're my best friend or you're my good friend and you're coming at me whack, well, hey, I'm going to let you know that you're coming at me whack. If the way you're thinking about a situation doesn't seem accurate to me, I'll bring a different perspective. And if if you want to sit there and keep complaining, then what I'll do is like, well, do you just want to complain? Because if you just want to complain, I don't really want to be here. I also think we don't have to play that game. Like, I just feel yeah. like, you know, if the bottom line is to get to the truth and heal, it's going to hurt. Mm-hmm. But what kind, of, what kind of pain? And I mean, and to me, what I, I mean, again, at the beginning of my semesters, another thing that I talk about is truth. Is like, you know, people people think that the truth sucks or the truth hurts, but it's not. The truth is what it is. It's what you attach to that is what yeah. then it becomes an emotional or psychological thing. Right. I was like, but the truth is the truth. 
And if you know the truth, you can make better decisions based on that truth. If it's an illusion, you're just going to run around in circles. And so what do you want, the illusion or the truth? And I'm not saying I'm perfect. And I'm not saying that, you know, I always try to have, I always try to be in a good place with good people, but people don't understand my humor. Or people don't understand where I'm coming from. So people misunderstand me or misjudge or, or just judge. And, but they get the wrong impression ultimately. And I'm not going to apologize for that. If you don't have the courage to say, Hey, what did you mean? I'm not right. going to sit there and worry about it. But right. if you're going to sit there and then talk behind my back because you didn't want to have the courage, well, then I'm going to have the courage to come up to you and be like, well, why are you saying this if this isn't true? So it's like, but I'm not coming at you from a place of like, let's fight. I'm coming right. at you at a place of like, let's let's come to a truth that we can both be OK with. And so I don't try to mince my words or watch my words, I, whether it's professional or not. I just try to be straightforward and to the point with as much mindfulness as I can to not hurt the other person. But if the other person wants to fight about semantics, well, they're going to fight about semantics. All I can do is, like, do you want to fight about words or do you want to get to the, the bottom line of what we're talking about? I'm hopefully getting the truth, the ultimate absolute truth. And and so that's just kind of and again, that's just that's I think most of us, we fall victim to not appreciating the people that are really trying to help us every day because we're in our funk and our attitude. And we rationalize that and treating yeah. other people shit as a result, especially those closest to us. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I strive to kind of not be there and go past that. But you have to have the courage to speak up as well. And, and I have to. And then when, once I know that we're in we're in tune with each other, then I'm like, OK, you want to have a real conversation? Let's have this real conversation. But a lot of people aren't really trying to have a real conversation. And so part of their healing process can't happen as a result of that. I can't and that's do why anything. I think that these this podcast is really it's an offering of that. To, to recognize like if we can share our gritty stories which essentially we're being vulnerable but we to heal because you know I honestly believe that you can't teach what you don't know and the reason why your teaching is so effective and you're so clear and convicted about what you do and how you do it and the intention behind it is because you've lived with, lived it right yeah. and Do I feel it. like if we all have a pur if there's most of us have a purpose in this world that is connected to other people and that if we if we get clear and share those parts of ourselves, then we're only going to be able to do it better. Well, and then the, the other aspect of all this, too, before people even start this journey is do you love yourself enough? Yeah. Oh, shit. That's all. That's OK. You know, that's, that's our well, next no, conversation. So, so you know, it, it isn't just one thing. Oh, you're coming to me for personal training or self-defense. No, yeah. it's not that. It's it's what's your psychology? What's your emotional yeah. state? What's your physical state? What's the combination of all of them working together under pressure, under no pressure, under best circumstances, under worst circumstances? So, yeah, it you know, it's a journey. And I just and that's why to me, it's like, you know, if you the more honest you are with me. I'm going to know I'm going to figure it out eventually, whether you're honest or not. But the more honest you are with me, the more honest we can have a, a true journey to the exceptionalism that you're trying to achieve for yourself. Yeah. And, and that's has that uh, played out in um like, you know, you mentioned like before the, the bus moment being in a relationship where you're clearly being deceived. Do you feel like if that situation were to come again, you would you would know that that was like. <laughs> I, Honestly, Gloria, I don't even know because, like, for me, like, I, I mean, you know where we come from. You know how it is. Yeah. It's just, yeah. And, and like, 
that's why I'm so, you know, I was just talking to your sister the other day at the battle and I was just telling her how happy and proud I am of you. Cause you people, oh, I don't shit. think get, if they don't know you, they don't get it. Like you've come such a long way. Damn, you're going to make me cry. <laughs> to, to where you're at and where I know you came from and, and like the circumstances, even, even when you were thinking about not playing at EMU, I don't know if you remember, I was like, just do it. Fuck those other people. Just do it. Do yeah. it. Cause it's, about you it's not about other people you know because you were saying well there's there's these like tight-knit groups that will accept you with one i was like who cares about any of that just go do it because it's what you want you know and like you know you coming you know and even going all the way to get your doctors like i didn't do that because i mean and for me it's a different reason than maybe you but like our journey is the same and in, in terms of we have we're going towards our goals you know yeah. and when people come through my classes, it's not about making them a better fighter or a better athlete. What I really enjoy is like, oh, I can actually I can start sleeping through the night now. Yeah. My, my my knee feels better. My shoulder operation feels better. My wrist feels better. My back doesn't hurt anymore. Like to me, like those are the wins, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, being at peace with yourself, your own character, your integrity. Right. Exactly. When what exactly. you say, what you think or believe and do are all in alignment. Yeah, because, you know, and I tell people, too, like, if you want to be a gangster, then be a gangster. None of this half-ass <laughs> shit. There's gangsters yeah. out there. Right, go all in. <laughs> like, there is no half-ass in that shit. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it. it's the same with being a nice guy or not a nice I mean, I try to be nice and I try to be, you know, I try to keep everything positive. But, you know, sometimes people want to cross the line or sometimes people want to test the boundaries and 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 so yeah. i let them know but I'm not, again I, even when i let them know i'm not trying to come from a place of anger i'm trying to come from a place of love like oh you you really just said that okay well what was your intent what what did, how are you trying to make me feel by saying that because i feel that we all make mistakes but if you don't have that homie that says hey yo you just you kind of fucked up there right. you're right i need to change that you got to yep. check yourself first and yep. I, I shouldn't have to check you. But if I do, I have no problem with it if you can appreciate and have gratitude for it. You know, there's certain parts of the martial arts training, you like your stance work, like you have to hold your horse stance or yeah. your bow stance. You're locked into the earth. You're grounded. So in that sense, you're learning how do I stand my ground? And then you get to another part of the training where it's all about movement. You got to move. You can't stay stuck because if you stay stuck, you're going to get hit. Mm-hmm. And so you can't do that. You can't be a bullseye for people either. You got to kind of Keep moving, keep moving towards your goals, keep moving towards the direction you want so that people can't sabotage you, you know. And then another part of the training is, okay. now, how are you proactive in stopping this person from attacking you? How are you proactive in in going after your goals? How are you now achieving the flow of the energy of the violence the person's coming at you with, which is the same violence that that life comes at us with? How do you flow with it? Do you flow with it or do you stop? And, and and then are you stopping because now you can't flow with it because you found all these excuses or all these reasons of why you don't want to flow? Life mm. is never going to stop. What stops is how you flow with life. Right. And that, and that and that flow, you know, the Tai Chi is a perfect example of flowing with another person. It looks like a dance, even dancing with another person. There's mm-hmm. a flow to that. Otherwise, somebody's stamping on somebody's foot. Um, yeah. Otherwise, you got the flow. You know, so it's you know, if you being a runner. It's like you're at the starting point. You're stopping. You're just there. And then yeah. you start moving, but you create your pace. You're not going full blast yet. You're just trying to find your space. And that's exactly the same way I try to go around. You know, when I meet somebody new, 
especially somebody new that I heard bad things from somebody else. I, I always try to approach them with an open you know, book. I'm like, yo, you know, whatever happened, that happened. But how, how are you going to treat me? And yeah. how is this a reflection of who you are? So again, my martial arts and, and even in my martial arts helped my athletic approach because then I started learning about the muscles and the bones in a different way than the Western perspective. Yeah. Like here in the West, we look at the body as like nuts and bolts in a machine mm-hmm. where East, it's more like the synergy of like the river and the mountain and the forest and the animals, everything flowing together. Yes. And it's not to say that the West doesn't, they don't have their valid points, but it's just a different approach. And now I understand because I have my education and, and my training and, and different, I guess, modalities and scholarly ways of looking at things. I, I now have the vocabulary to kind of talk about these things in a different way with people who are only, you know, in that Western mind or only in that Eastern right. And that's kind of the benefit I took from it. Again, appreciation and gratitude, because when I was getting my degree, I was like, this is awful. I don't believe this shit. But I had to go through some emotions. I had to learn it. And now I have the language and the understanding. Yeah. And I feel like that's why I think this podcast is so important to hear that people's journeys, it didn't just happen one fell swoop or someone didn't just give you this opportunity or it happened in this epiphany, this aha moment, which you do hear. But success and accomplishment and purposeful lives rarely happen like that. You know, right. it's it's our own journeys and our own woundings and our own wisdom and then giving that back and offering that back out. Yeah, exactly. And, and one thing before I forget, I want to say, like, I love your mom. She was always an amazing, awesome. <laughs> she never judged me for all the crazy shit I did. Yeah. She was always like, oh, hi, Maddie, like with a smile and just always <laughs> like, there you are. And and yeah. And she, the few people that especially in the city we came from, especially her side of the family most of them hated me anyway but she <laughs> was like no judgment and that reminded me of my grandma and that reminded me of you know a few other people and then and i think it's those little wins that we get if, yeah. if we can appreciate those they help you through grad school they help you through your journeys they help you through whatever it is that you need and um and and you know, i think a lot of this too is you know success like what we're being taught success is like i'm nowhere near that But the kind of success that I have is like, I'm happy, I'm chill, I'm like, I'm okay with where I'm at, I'm okay with where things are. And to me, it's a different type of success. Going Same thing with like, um, you know, a lot of my colleagues at the university, they have their PhD in exercise science or sports medicine, and they're always giving me props. And it's just kind of interesting because it's like, you know, on the same note, on the other side of the spectrum, I'm always meeting people who just try to like, poke holes all the time and and they don't even have you know their phd or their masters they're just they're just doing what they do and and that's fine too but it it's really helped me to appreciate that i'm okay where i'm at like success isn't achieving this or that it it, it's kind of evolved into a different meaning for me um less drama in my life much less drama in my life and Mm -hmm. and the bachelor's degree again opened that i wouldn't be teaching where i'm teaching and in fact i got lucky they liked what i did it just on a fluke like uh, i was taking a class no, and, I don't believe in that, but okay. I don't believe in <laughs> flukes. I don't believe in luck, but okay. When I say fluke, I just mean that, like, it, it wasn't organized. It wasn't planned. It just kind of happened. And then from that, you know, it sprouted. But Because you were prepared. Well, yeah, true. Because you were but, ready, right? But I but, think that's, you prepare and you stay ready. And yeah, the opportunities I, happen I'm def- when you're ready. I'm definitely a believer of you always got to be ready for sure. Yeah. Because even now, like this battle, like if I wouldn't have been practicing for the last six, eight months here in my room, I wouldn't mm-hmm. have been ready for the battle at all. But I was already ready 
when it was already being announced, I'm like, oh, well, let me just do these things and then we're good. Yeah. But yeah. Going back, to what I was saying is um, I was in the strength and conditioning class. I don't know, maybe 12 weeks in uh, one of my uh, students in the class, my fellow students, she was a yoga teacher, apparently. And and my strength and conditioning coach was like, well, we're going to do yoga because I believe, you know, we should we should see these other ways of working out and all that stuff. And so I, I think it just kind of happened. And so after that class, I was like, hey, do you mind if I do my thing like this Kung Fu stuff? And and uh, and then he was open to it. And then after he saw what I was doing, he was like, you need to work here. You need to meet my boss. And he made he connected the yeah. dots for me. And I pretty much had a job before I graduated. But my boss at the time was like, you uh, first you need to graduate and then we can bring you in the next semester. He's like, but you got to graduate first. And, um, and then after that, you know, having my bachelor's, then I saw how many doors were closed because I didn't have my master's. And so there's that whole game, too. And but but now I'm kind of transcending those things because I'm hearing a lot of things again, like, you know, from some of my peers at the university. Apparently, they're saying really good things about me. They're impressed with what I know and what I do. And. Um, I even had the psychology guy who has his PhD teaches at U of M. He gave me props on the emotional regulation and the psychology aspect of, of what I bring to the table when I when I talk about these things. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and that was, he, he really wasn't that kind of a person to just kind of give you props for nothing. Yeah. And so that kind of meant something to me. But then that's when I started realizing, oh, I have a different value than this societal tag that people want to lay on people. Yes, and, absolutely. Um, and that was part of my growth and part of my like being able to um, kind of persevere past those things, those labels and those letters behind your name and those titles and all that stuff. But what I try to do with my extra time is, again, it's about me balancing myself. I go out into the woods. I go to the rivers. I go mm-hmm. do my cheating practice for two hours. I go do my martial arts training for three hours. I go help these people for no money for an hour. I go help. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And, and yep. so it, it's financially it's not breaking through to me in that way, but I'm trying to change that. And it is changing slowly, but surely it's just, I'm, I'm reaching and achieving my goals and getting new clients and, and going to new schools and, and being able to yeah. do these things with these opportunities. Cause I'm staying ready, but if I'm being honest with myself, the money isn't always there because I'm not working like a dog to try to make all this money. I'm trying to get all these things ready so things can work and the money will come. No effort. You know, no energy is ever lost. Love is never lost. Like if you put it out with that good intention and you're working hard, it's only a matter of time where it's going to show up. Yeah. Like I've, I've lived that because, you know, I came from nothing, you know, like nothing, yeah. but really learned how to hustle. My mom worked her ass off and had, yeah, she had a compassionate heart. She, you know, always opened the door if you need to stay at night or she had food, you know, she always had food and to give into people. Because yeah. like, it, yeah, and that's kind of like you give, you give because like, you know, you help others because one day it's that energy is going to come back to you. And I don't think she was intentionally showing me that, but that's how that's how it transformed within me. Um, but at 100, I believe that like just to stay ready and then. But I think that's that's how life is, is, is for us. Like, I think a lot of us are looking through a colitis. Yeah. If it's not your jam and your jam is walking on the beach, then give yourself permission to do that and go all in and walking on the beach. and that and that and hopefully that honesty with yourself keeps your perception perception clean because yeah you know again jujitsu is the best boy tired and then because i have jujitsu guys coming up to me and they're like here let's go roll and i was like why do you want to roll i was like if you can get me down get me down but i'm gonna hit you in the face before we do that (laughs) 
<laughs> it's like I'm trying to play your game, you know. Cause I don't yeah. know. What, I don't. Do, I don't know what you're gonna do. Are you gonna try to hurt right. me? Are you? Right. Mad? You know. I don't know. So mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I'll, part of my philosophy, not only in life but with the martial arts, is always protect yourself. Mm-hmm. Always protect. And through protecting yourself, you'll see, um, you'll be able to proactively, uh, you know, hopefully disengage whatever violent intent somebody has, but always protect yourself. And I think, too, that, like, you know, if you're a jujitsu school and you only do sport, that's not a fighting school. Can it help you with fighting? Sure. But even now, you know, you're seeing MMA people getting, you know, stabbed and getting the shit kicked out of them or getting killed because they think it's in a ring in a safe environment with a ref. And when you're on the streets, we know that to be not true and different. Yeah. And, you know, and my whole thing, and maybe I was just because I had my history of fighting when I was younger, I can extrapolate what I can from Kung Fu and make it work. But I can tell you the Kung Fu style that I learned is a fighting style and it worked and it has everything. You know, if you're going to go to a fighting school, make sure it has punching, elbowing, kicking, kneeing, body, uh, body mechanics with that throwing and grappling and we call it chin nan shui jiao because it incorporates more than throwing and grappling but that's roughly what you want because you want you want to be able to deal with everything yeah. and fortunately the art that i found is a real art and it has everything and i'm happy with it i've never gone to anything else because when i've tried to do other martial arts my shell and boxing gets worse but when mm-hmm. i do my shell and boxing all these other arts that I participate in from time to time, it, I always excel yeah. in them. And yeah. I don't know what it says about, I'm not trying to talk down about other arts. I just know that for me, this art is very true for yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what I, works for you doesn't mean it has to be a judgment on something else, but I think it's what you know works for your lifestyle. It's something that it sounds like you're always a student of and a teacher of. So much bigger than that though, Gloria, mm-hmm. because it's like, it makes me see my weaknesses and strengthen those. It makes me see my insecurities and get better at that. It makes, that's what the Kung Fu does. The training that I do from the physical stuff, from all the different stuff I learned in the, in the Shaolin boxing is all the things that like stop me from being the best me. It helps me improve because mm-hmm. it, it makes me face the reality. It makes me look in the mirror of my attitude and my intention and my abilities and the truthfulness of it all. And yeah. that, my, even down to the point of my self-love, and that is, I don't get that from other arts. And and most yeah. of the arts aren't trying to give you that. They're trying to win prizes and win belts and win money, um, you know. So that's that's a lot different. But mm-hmm. and then people, I, I think, find me a trip because I, I, you know, I mean, we come from where we come. We go in the backyard and slap box. You know, like, <laughs> you know so when people people are like. You know, well, you know how to fight. I was like, no, uh, it's not that. It's just I, I don't mind fighting. I don't want to, but I don't mind it where yeah. some people are petrified of it. And that's and I'll, I'll leave you with this. One of the biggest things in my training, what it helped with is we all have fear. But what fear are you holding on to? Are you holding on to the fear that's paralyzing you or are you having functional fear? Because functional mm-hmm. fear, mm-hmm. it's OK to have fear, but are you functional? That that's what it's led me to do, whether it's my death whether it's my past, whether it's my future, it, it helps me to balance that out, to have functional fear. And that's what helps me to be in the moment. So I don't have anxiety about the future and I don't have trauma about the past. Damn. Thank you for that. Yeah. For yeah, the space, you. for sharing your truth. Yeah. We're going to pick it up again soon Sweet. in the future. Yeah. Yeah. We might have to make this a regular thing, man. Because uh, I got a lot of stuff that I needed to. So I appreciate it. 
And if you ever want to do a workshop at Utah University or anything out there, I'm more than game. For so. sure. For sure. It's going to happen. Yeah, that's that's for sure. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And, you know, this is on SoundCloud, iTunes. You can find it greedygenius at Instagram.com. And I'll see you next time. Peace. Peace.